Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's Arthi. That's Noor. And you're listening to The Reality Is. much better today than I did yesterday. Yesterday, I had an immense sense of dread. Yeah. At 5.30, because it was sundown prayer time, so I was praying. I had just been watching everything that was going on on Capitol Hill, and as I was praying, I heard sirens outside, mm-hmm. and I had this like strange pang in my gut that I was like, oh my God, Like my husband works in the city, he works at hospitals, mm-hmm. was in the subway, and some MAGA yeah. asshole decided to do something crazy on the subway, mm-hmm. and like, what if he doesn't come home tonight? Like, What if those sirens are because there was some sort of insane Aww. attack? in like Newark or something. Mm. So I got really worried. I started crying. I, it's okay. I cry all the time. It just made me think about like, this is how I feel just because my husband works in the city. Like I cannot imagine what it was like last night for people that live in the DMV area. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure you know lots of people that work in DC. I've got family that works on Capitol Hill. Like it was a scary few hours so first of all mods aren't new to me growing up we had a lot of riots i've lived in places where it was like a lot of hindu muslim fights and riots and it would be like every eid there would be a curfew every ganesh chaturthi there would be a curfew right every hindu holiday religious thing there would be a curfew because it was inevitable that there was going to be some kind of violence and skirmish and thugs that would end up becoming such a big thing that normal people who didn't have any of those feelings could not function for four or five days in a row and it was all army tanks down the street that you usually play in. Mm. So I've experienced that as a child and for me it was like oh it was fun time no school and you're sitting at the window and you're watching these tanks go by the gravity didn't quite hit me as a child but having said that it's usually the people who start these things do it for ulterior motives and for very personal greed but the mob that follows because they believe in these criminal can be perfectly fine normal people who get carried away with the passion so i'm watching this happen i wasn't so worried about the politicians in there Mm -hmm. what i worried about is the normal people many of them are minority and this is a predominantly white mob fully armed by the way yeah. coming in i'm watching that and i'm thinking about the custodians there i'm thinking about the staff people that tomorrow if something happened to them nobody would remember their names nobody yes. they are the, the they are the unknown machine that runs this country that nobody thinks about you know the politician you don't know the 20 staff that work for politicians who are my neighbors right so yeah people normal people and that's who I was thinking about. This was a domestic terrorism like you would see anywhere else. If you saw it happening in India or Pakistan, mm-hmm. you 
people here would personally live and say, look at those savages doing what they're doing and look at their democracy is not even real. They're just a bunch of thugs. This is what this is how they deal with each other. Right. Yeah. Now, Americans don't have a moral high ground for anything. Yeah. You don't you cannot preach democracy to the rest of the world. You are struggling with it because of one man, one man and a million pansies who cannot stand up to him. I saw a tweet. It was something like if the United States saw what the United States was doing, the United States would decide to overthrow whoever it is that's running the United States so that United States can establish United States government in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) I also saw another one that said, since everybody's working remotely and travel is banned, the United States decided to throw a coup on itself. But it is. It is a coup. It is a coup attempt. It's not a protest. It's Mm-mm. not activism. This Mm-mm. is a coup. This is a terrorist act. It is organized. All those terrorists came there with their weapons. They brought bombs. They think they're all Tom Cruise and they think they're all, you know, Chris Pratt, I should say, because they, he's another one of them. Steven Seagal. Yes. They're at best a lazy Steven Seagal. Exactly. At the fat best. one. The fat one. Like the one. One that exists now. Yeah, the, yes, the latest one with like weird. the weird, the weird hair and like the bizarro goatee. Yeah. Stuff. You know, like hillbillies who don't know how to how to tie their shoelaces and they're here talking about the constitution, QAnon theor- conspiracies. There were some in did you know there were a couple of Indians too there with the Indian flag? Yes. I was oh, like, okay, yeah. well, it looks like Dinesh D'Souza brought his people. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, yes, we can't say anything because like, what better are we than anybody else? But then all this, at the same time, it also, what it shows to me is something that I've always known about the United States. I feel like as an immigrant, I've always known it, right? Mm-hmm. So I came here when I was 10. I had experienced racism in middle school and high school and mm-hmm. even in college, just like existing as a South Asian Muslim American and an immigrant. I was very aware of the fact that People who don't look like white people are treated differently. Yeah. And so I understood very early on there's racism in this country and it exists mm-hmm. and it's not any different than what you would experience in India or Pakistan or whatever back home. Right. Because see, my background, I lived in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So it was, I, I never quite fit in anywhere mm-hmm. because when you live in the Middle East, you are not actually Middle Eastern. You're still an immigrant living in the Middle East. Yeah, you're not Arab. Mm-mm, no, I'm not. Even though I was born there, I'm not Arab. So, mm-hmm. but then when I would go to Pakistan, I knew I was very different than my Pakistani family because my Pakistani cousins that were my age, I mean, were under 10. I could see that their understanding of the world was so much more different because all they knew was that one country. And living in the Middle East, even though I wasn't considered an Arab, I was still surrounded by a lot of immigrants. I got to have the immigrant experience growing up in the Mm -hmm. Middle East. Then when I came here, it was like, oh, wow. So a lot of American kids in middle school, I noticed, would have the same worldview as my Pakistani cousins. And it was mm-hmm. that they just knew what they knew because they're, it was as small as their bubble. I realized at that point that the world that my mother imagines this country to be is very
very different because my mother imagined, my parents imagined this country as like, this is unlike anything that we have back home. This mm-hmm. is a much better world. Everybody's treated equal and everyone's given so much more opportunity. And while that is true that, yes, there's so much more opportunity here than a lot of other countries, they kind of looked at it with like <laughs> rosé colored glasses, like rose colored glasses right. because they were just so optimistic about it. And they still are. You know, my mom says I would never live anywhere else and everything mm-hmm. like that. But I think because I experienced all of those things very early on in life, I was always just aware that like, while this is disheartening that this happens in America, and while it makes us quote unquote, look bad to the rest of the world, the brown and black people of this country been known that this is what this country is capable of. Right. I think Wendy Osefo tweeted, she said, now if Black Lives Matter or our Muslim brothers and sisters stormed the Capitol building during a joint session of Congress in an attempted coup, the outcome would be totally different. We are not better than this. This is exactly who we are. Hashtag two Americas. That is so true, though. That is exactly true. And And people don't want to hear it. People want to be like, we're better than this. We can do better than this. It's like, no, this is who we've been since the day we voted Donald Trump into office. Even Donald Trump just put a spotlight on it and they've been empowered, but it was always there. That's why we know it's always been there. I have this uh, unique perspective because I chose and made the choice to move here for my future. I came here and I was immediately thrust into white America, mm-hmm. but I lived in Black America, because that's the kind of housing I could afford at that time. Yeah. So I was living surrounded by Black America, but all my work colleagues and everybody else was white. What I immediately noticed is that I would go to my Black friends. They would say, I have never watched this movie or that movie or even a Tom Cruise movie or something like that, right? And then I would go to my white American friends and there would be quite a few of them that had never watched The Color Purple. And I would be shocked, like, how how do I know both of these? But you guys don't know each other. Mm-hmm. That's what I still have. Like, when, uh, when the Freddie Gray stuff happened in Baltimore, the National Guard leader who led all of the National Guard uh, activities during that time, I know her. She was just literally saying, that she was prepared for uh, you know, whatever there could be violence and I have to be ready. And she had National Guard deployed and had a plan way before they even had the rights. And here you have had months and months and months of warning and there was nothing, there was no preparation whatsoever for yesterday, right? Mm-mm. When the Freddie Gray stuff happened in Baltimore, I noticed my white colleagues couldn't comprehend kids that, you know, burned something down in frustration because they were angry and they said, what are they doing outside of school at this time it's three o'clock they should be home and i'm thinking they don't have a safe space to go home so they end up being in the mall and you don't know that and you condemn them for that but you also don't provide the safe there's no safe space for them either you haven't lived in their neighborhood so you don't know what's going on there my white colleagues would say that and now they're perfectly fine normal people that if they were only educated wouldn't see the other side but they have never 
interacted with the Black American experience, each has lived in a sort of in a little bubble. Not so much Black Americans. White America has to move a lot more towards Black America. Absolutely. Black America doesn't have to move an inch right now. I have noticed it that when you come in from the outside and you experience both of these cultures, there are two cultures and there are two Americas. And there's very little overlap that has to be fixed. And I don't think there are enough number of white Americans who are willing to do that. That is the problem. Yeah. When I say like, oh, I am aware that there are two Americas. I don't want it to sound like I'm not shocked by what happened yesterday. I was horrified. Shocked, but not surprised, right? I wouldn't say not surprised. I would say shocked and sad that my fears came true. Yeah. That's probably the best way to say it. But I wasn't surprised by the lack of communication and response. Only 50 people got arrested. How is that possible? When we had the curfews in the past, DC has been emptied. People who are hanging around without any uh, reason to be there were arrested. I know from people who were there last night that there were paddy wagons, multiple empty paddy wagons sitting around the Capitol. They weren't arresting people and putting them in them and sending them off. They just were tolerant of it. And you know, if it had been a big brown mob going into the Capitol, there would have been a lot more body bags coming out of there. And for those people who are listening who have never been to Washington, D.C., you can't just prance up to the Capitol building. No! No! You can't even get near the Capitol building. Yeah, you cannot get... If there are barriers put, you cannot get anywhere near without having guns pulled on you. Yes! Yeah, well... There's been a lot of discussion, obviously, since the election that like 70 million people can't all just be racist. And while I actually am very much of the school of thought that that is probably true, Mm -hmm. because I don't need 70 million people to vote blue. That's fine. Those red values, those red votes, they work for them. Maybe they don't actually care about Trump. Like I know a lot of people that vote Republican care about their small government. So they just vote in party line. To them, the office of the presidency just doesn't mean that much. Obviously, the people that were there yesterday are not those people. They're not the people that just vote along party lines because it's convenient to them. This is not those people. These are racist people. These are evil people. These are people that maybe even three years ago you might have a conversation with and they might seem like perfectly nice, kind people. That lady who is so kindly being escorted down the stairs. Yeah. She's probably a really nice lady that my kids might, you know, get Halloween candy from on Halloween. Yeah, but she might also she might also be the one that calls the cops because you wore a hoodie and walked past her win- past her house. Exactly. The reason why it's important to talk about people being racist, even though they are seemingly nice human beings, is that I don't know in what world anybody is falling for Brandy Redmond's bullshit on Dallas. Let's just go ahead and jump into Dallas. Before we jump into that, I just want to say yay to Georgia turning blue. Oh, God. That's the other thing. It's like... We were having such a nice day. I was like, now such a beautiful day. And that is, I think that pissed me off even more. I was like, we cannot have anything nice. I tweeted about this earlier. I was like, 2021 giving up on its New Year's resolution five days into the new year sounds about right. That's like as about as long as I go. And actually, that's accurate because last night I ate a whole bowl of pasta and I avoided, you know, carbs and sugar. And I ate it. I was like, fuck it. I'm I'm eating I'm eating these carbs. 
I gave up on the new year just like the the year gave up on itself. Yesterday yesterday was a good day to excuse that. But yes, Georgia went blue, which is fucking phenomenal. Like, and also that's the other thing, right? All of this is why. All of this is because 12 years ago, a black man had the nerve to become fucking president. And, uh-huh. and all of this is why yeah. this has started. Yeah. And last night, the eruption of anger from the Trump side, the way that he was inciting them, telling Giuliani was out there, telling them to trial by combat. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this? Game of Thrones, Giuliani? Get the fuck out of here, you psychopath. Uh, Giuliani, you get into the ring first. I love yeah. your <laughs> up. That would be awesome. Yeah. So like all of that anger, all of that frustration, do you think it happened on its own? No, it happened not just obviously because Trump lost the election, but it's also because Stacey Abrams, a black woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> Reverend Warnock, a black man who is the son of a woman who picked cotton. How beautiful is that? Incredible. And a, a sweet young Jewish boy oof, who I am uh. really into. But that's for another day. You do have, you do have a type. That is a type. It's like a a, a cute nerd. Oh, what a beautiful day. That was, it was. Yeah, it was because these people decided they had the audacity, or as Ramona would say, the audacity. They had the audacity to win in these areas that are predominantly conservative. Mm-hmm. And that is what made them explode. They were having a private experience. It, MAGA is like the, a private experience for the ages. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what racism is. It's a private experience for the ages. You're just scared of the thing that you don't understand. because, And because you're so frustrated that you don't understand it, you'd rather just get emotional and get angry than actually try right. to understand what it is right. that you're feeling. Right. I hate it here. <sighs> Speaking of misdirected issues. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was the premiere of Real Housewives of Dallas. And Mm -hmm. before we talk about Brandy, I just want to go ahead and touch on the fact that Cameron Westcott is on a different show. (laughs) Cameron Westcott is on a show of her own, just like Karen Huger was on a show of her own. Yes. These women are just producing their own fucking show. And I love their show. I love the Cameron Westcott show. Cameron can have a reality show on her own. She doesn't need to be Real Housewives of anything. She doesn't. It was fantastic. But also, (laughs) Cam explaining what coronavirus is, is why we still don't have control on coronavirus. I was like, oh, God. And her statement about the guy ate a bat and the kids asking, why would anybody eat bat? That was borderline. Tread carefully there. Bravo. I don't know what you're doing right now, but like maybe that should have been ended it out. I'm not sure what the purpose was of that. I watched it today and today my uh, racism radars are all antennas all up. So maybe I'm being oversensitive, but I was like, uh, that was no, it's possible. Cause I was like, maybe don't talk about Cam saying that COVID started because some people in parts of the world eat weird things. And sometimes those things are bats. And also, hey, welcome, meet our Asian castmate who's going to make us eat chicken feet. Right, right. Maybe don't do that, bravo. Like, But also, maybe we're being too sensitive because we have all of our, our racist radar is like on hyper alert. So... Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to understand if uh, any of her Asian friends thought that was not cool. Not just 
Asian, but anybody else too. Yeah, it was just it was weird. It was a weird a weird statement, but that was my one thought about the rest of the cast because my next note is the racists have a pool party. Stephanie starts off with saying that this is oh this is the end of Corona, like coming out of quarantine and coming out of that. Like, uh, what do you? mean so it was funny to me that stephanie was like we're on a tv show and everybody's tested and we're doing temperature checks and we've all been really safe and we've been careful and nobody's gonna get the corona okay and it's like um deandra was like near death yes like three days ago that confessional did not age well (laughs) no that's my most frustrating thing about like even talking to people about covid like day to day is they'll always be like well whatever like we have my bubble and my bubble's fine like and we're like we're totally being safe and like we're just doing the best we can like I just we're not gonna get it okay yeah it's like every single time I've heard somebody talk that way Mm -hmm. they know somebody personally who ends up getting it it's like yes yeah y'all thought that you were fine and you're not fine Mm -hmm. these ladies are now I guess they have their corona routine or whatever there's a lot of hugging I I also feel that isn't it feels slightly irresponsible of Bravo to even show this even if they thought it was safe they it was clearly not safe enough it gives a false sense of oh shields is fine because they don't brow i mean maybe stephanie talked about it a little bit but we really don't know what protocol they're using to keep these women isolated and in that bravo bubble and i wish that they would talk about that yeah they don't tell you that they have done all these other stuff to keep them safe which is why these women can wear a shield even though i think it's a stupid thing to do the women can wear a shield and they can um then they'll be fine but they don't say it and what a viewer is seeing is hey here are these women wearing shields and shields should be fine because you know they showed it on tv i felt so uncomfortable watching all of them walk around give hugs to each other and even the fact that, uh, you know, the new um, new housewife, Tiffany, she's an anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. And she's a doctor and she's treating patients. Mm, I know. She's in a hospital setting. And then she's coming in. She might have taken a shower or whatever, but she could be asymptomatic at any given day. Yeah, that was the other thing. I was like shocked. I got the whole thing when she got there. She had her shield on and she was like, oh, you know, I had to take my like shower or whatever when she mm-hmm. had like that lunch with the Simmons women. And that was fine. But then later on when Stephanie's having this pool party, she gives everybody big hugs and kisses and they're all eating indoors. And I was like, this is fine, I guess. But Bravo, a majority of your audience has been cooped up at home and unable to socialize in any real capacity for 10 months. So when you make a choice to put that stuff on TV and shows these women socializing and acting, nothing's going on. It's hurtful. Yep. (laughs) You hurt us, Bravo. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, hello. We don't have to fully relate to them. I mean, none of us live in houses like Lisa fucking Vanderpump. We get that they're different than us. But Mm -hmm. I think that thing about COVID that was true last year was it was like this feeling of like, oh, fuck, like we're all going through the same thing right now. Everybody Mm -hmm. is scared. 
COVID doesn't care how rich you are. People are going to get sick and people could die. Tiffany does touch on it. She's like, if anybody tells me it's a hoax, I'm going to tell them it's not, blah, blah, blah. I think that if Bravo went through like the one extra step rather than just showing one fucking Zoom call and being like, oh yeah, we've been at home. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you've done. Show us behind the scenes. What did Bravo do to make sure that everybody was safe and to make sure that Tiffany, especially being a doctor, mm-hmm. is not carrying something in. I mean, my husband works in a hospital. He doesn't even work with patients. But I did yeah. not see my family for like six months. In the words of Eileen Davidson, it feels icky. Icky. Yes. But having said that, I was happy to see Mama D still torturing Deandra. That aspect of Mama D I do love because Deandra is problematic too. That's true. Mama D giving the backhand compliment that Deandra mm. is doing so good. But She's then so she good needed at it. Money. She needed money. And you know, I gave her $100,000. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I didn't give her that money before because yeah. I just didn't trust her. But now I trust yeah. her. And so that's why. The amount I gave her, just so you know, it's on record. I gave her $100,000. She's such a fucking monster. My God. Like, you can't have a mother like that and then become a normal human being. Like, this is why Deandra is also a fucking mess. So Deandra and Dee have a lunch with our new girl, Tiffany. Yeah. Lots of complimenting. Yes, by the way, Dr. Moon is a fucking genius and she's Mm -hmm. gorgeous. And Bravo is really rolling out some top-notch diva level like talk about super accomplished new housewives yeah yeah. between wendy and dr moon yeah and garcelle i'm like it's funny to think that like this is the same network that like that had tammy sue fucking tamra barney on and gretchen rossi on but also have wendy osefo and tiffany moon (laughs) it's crazy what was your first impression of tiffany and her relationship to Deandra and her D and D. Um, I don't know what they were trying to do. Like, I don't know if D Simmons thinks that she gonna tell somebody like how to act or how to be or how to treat people. Like, I do think that there's this like unspoken thing in like Housewives of like whoever it is that gets you cast on the show or recommends you to the show, you mm-hmm. kind of like owe them. If I bring you on the show, you have to have allegiance to me. I mean, that is why Leanne brought her best friend Deandra on the show. I mean, Ramona did that in last season. Yeah, she b- tried to bring Elise on and Elise was like, yeah. I'm not going to play your games. So right. I feel like D Simmons recommending Dr. Moon and connecting her to the ladies, although it seems like maybe socially Tiffany knew them these women even though there was already some of that it feels like D Simmons is putting on this like mama bird thing which I felt was like really patronizing and condescending I did not like that yes and then when they start talking about this racist shit that Brandy did and if you don't know what Brandy did just google it they try to bring this shit up and then they try to tell (laughs) Tiffany how to feel about it yes and they do it by setting up their relationship with Tiffany as if uh, Tiffany is a a novice at society and these are the women that are going to take her under the wings and bring her out into society. Did you get that? Yes. Oh, yes. She's the other daughter. Mama D likes and you know, Mama D has not a single, you know, motherly bone feeling anything inside her. Okay? No. And she's not going to be a parental figure to anyone including Mm -hmm. Deandra Mm -hmm. 
So what is this fake, oh, softening of Mama D that through Tiffany, it, it just felt so fake. DeAndre saying it was all of super it, fake. Just, again, icky. And then to sort of prep her on how she's supposed to feel. So she would react exactly the way they think she should to this information. Deandra's like, she's Christian. Ma'am, <laughs> what? Every one of the people that stormed the Capitol yesterday considers themselves Christian. Yes, exactly. That was, I think, the worst part of it for me. They didn't even really, I mean, maybe they cut it out. Maybe they edited it. But I can't imagine that they really even paid attention to what Tiffany's experience was. They didn't ask her, how did you feel? about it and they didn't wait for her to explain why they just went jumped in you're still thinking of it as something to do with her instead of something to do with tiffany yes that was the thing that drove me crazy you care for the pain that brandy felt but you do not care for the possibly for the pain that tiffany might feel you're telling her how she shouldn't feel that yep it was really uncomfortable and i hated it we did meet dr moon by the way dr moon is like one of the most impressive housewives that we've seen on bravo I was like, Shannon's Dr. Moon got a glow up. (laughs) Yeah. And a few few degrees. (laughs) Yes. She's a 36-year-old freaking accomplished ass MD. And she's an immigrant. And she only moved to the United States when she was six. She's only been in the United States for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And she's probably accomplished so much more than any of these entitled pieces of shit have. Deandra's just been doing God knows what, asking for loans for her parents for this long and still has been able to pull off anything reasonable in her life besides just like society parties. It's ridiculous. Anyway, she's great and I love her already. But my note about this Dr. Moon is flabbergasted, which is what I was too during this one. The big thing that I want to talk about is this party Stephanie decides to throw where Brandy and Tiffany meet. And Brandy is uncomfortable, visibly uncomfortable the whole time. But Tiffany, I noticed, comes in and the first thing she does is she goes up to Brandy and she gives her a hug and she's going out of her way to make Brandy feel comfortable. Yeah. But the ladies go around the room and they have their rose in your thorn about the quarantine or whatever. And you get to Brandy and Brandy turns on the waterworks. So here's my issues with Brandy. The issue I have with Brandy isn't just the fact that like she made this video three years ago. Fine. She made the video and it was a disgusting video. But it was the fact that in January of last year, so this is a couple of months before filming, when she was called out on it on Twitter, she said, I thought it was funny and I'd do it again. And then she says she got suicidal and she went to rehab for like, what, three seconds? Mm -hmm. And now I want to just preface this by saying, as someone who struggles with suicidal tendencies myself, I understand that feeling that she described. The world would be better if I wasn't there anymore. I understand how achingly sad that is. There's been a million times in my life that I've had those feelings. But when I have those feelings, I still needed to unpack what took me to that place where I started to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And what were the events that led to the point where I thought that ending my life would be better? And oftentimes, and this is just for me, but oftentimes for me, it was that the idea of dealing with the issue itself was so uncomfortable to me mm-hmm. that I didn't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Or I just didn't know how to unpack it. 
like initially, initially with like my mental health journey, it was that I didn't know how to pack it. But now whenever I have those types of feelings, it's that I'm so uncomfortable or I'm so painfully sad about what it is I need to do to handle this that I just would rather not do it. I would rather just like cut and run. And I'm not saying this is true for everybody with suicidal tendencies, but the way that Brandy describes her trauma that, mm-hmm. quote, no one wanted to be friends with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Nothing I said was enough. That is bullshit to me. You didn't do any fucking work. What real anti-racist work did you do that Mm -hmm. you were able to resolve those issues? You went to rehab to manage yourself. You took yourself and you went and you sat in a corner and you decided to manage your mental health. Great. Good for you. You decided to manage your your mental health. Oh, cool. You stole your best friend's storyline from the last two years and decided that this is the thing that's going to give you sympathy. Fuck you. It doesn't resolve your terrible video and it certainly doesn't resolve the fact that you were doubling down on this bullshit. I have to say that of all the racist on TV that you've watched and then have them come and apologize. Hello, Catherine from Southern Charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Brandy said about how ashamed she was and embarrassed she was and how it was driving her to suicide, feeling like she was a piece of shit and nobody was going to like her anymore. Felt authentic. That yes. was authentic. What she was apologizing, though, was for how she had been stupid enough and said those things and now she was feeling so bad that's what she was apologizing for but the reason she was feeling upset and sad was because she felt isolated yep and felt like nobody was gonna like her yep and so that is what she was crying about she was still missing understanding why what she said would hurt somebody why would that happen? Why would they hurt? And she never even put their feelings first. No. Still. So no. I felt like her apology was to herself for hurting yeah. herself, right? So yep. it was her apology was, I'm sorry, and now I feel terrible. Now let's talk about me. Yes. I think what you said is perfect, which is that to say that you felt really lonely and isolated and you you were feeling suicidal because you got isolated, that's a valid experience. You can feel suicidal when you feel isolated from the world. That is a real thing. We do not diminish the fact that she may have felt that way. But that doesn't negate the fact that you said and did terrible shit. Yeah. This is why Dr. Moon is fantastic. You, you, It's like a kid who hits another kid but then starts crying. Right. If Brandy had been around the table and said, I said something terrible and I'm extremely ashamed and I'm extremely mortified. I understand. I have talked to people. I am working on myself. That means that she's putting Tiffany's feelings first. But she went from what happened to herself and not outwardly towards the person she was hurting and apologizing to them. That's why that conversation was wrong. Yeah, it's very clear based on how uncomfortable Brandy is around Tiffany. Tiffany is the first Asian person that Brandy has had to be around since she did this shit, Mm -hmm. which says a lot about the amount of work she's really put into apologizing for what she's doing. Mm -hmm. There is a great uh, Instagram account called Asians Who Watch Bravo, and they're doing a lot of really great posts about this issue because one of the biggest problems 
this is that Brandy hasn't done or addressed anything to the Asian community yet. And Bravo then placing, taking a nice Asian girl and putting her into the middle of Housewives and saying, Tiffany, you can represent on behalf of all of the Asian people. If Tiffany says, oh, now, now, Brandy, it's okay. If she forgives Brandy or in what I view as really Tiffany is now forced to play nice with this person that she's been cast on a show with racists like Brandy will say see the Asian one forgives her like why don't you forgive her Bravo is using Tiffany for Brandy's comeback arc yeah Tiffany is being used as a pawn she is supposed to go in there and make sense of why the racist was racist it's insane. And also, Brandy asking for sympathy now after almost losing her job, after like four years of rolling her eyes every single time Leanne brought up her PTSD and own mental health struggles mm-hmm. is bullshit. Yeah, not that we are pro Leanne, but we are pro mental health. We're pro management of mental health. Yeah. And while I have, I don't like Leanne and I think she's a fucking psychopath, the fact of the matter is that Leanne did for a couple of seasons there really her whole story was I'm working on my mental health struggles so now for Brandy who got caught doing a terrible thing to be like for her to be asking for the same type of sympathy that she never gave Leanne is ridiculous Carrie fucking Carrie man I fucking hate Carrie I don't like her I didn't like her last season and I don't like her this season she's terrible she says to Brandy if they don't want to give you a second chance they're not worth your time yeah Leanne did terrible shit to Carrie last season and absolutely Leanne should not be on TV yeah and I do agree that Leanne's behavior was absolutely hateful and also like she's scary she's a scary person scary and spiteful you don't yeah I wouldn't want to be around that Okay. No one let Leanne know we are talking about her. Yeah, I'm terrified of her. Like, the last thing I want is Leanne Locken to come after me. Quick sidebar. Leanne Locken versus Jensha. Who would win? Oh, my God. (laughs) That's a really good question. Because they are the same people. I mean, they are, aren't they? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know who would win. The world might explode. Like, it's too volatile. It's too crazy. I want to know what people think. Who would win? Here's what. I think it would be... Jen Shaw because she seems like she would be like scrappy and quick but Leanne would be relentless Jen would think Leanne is dead and she would turn around to walk away oh my god like oh my god like a scary movie (laughs) (laughs) Leanne won't die so easy she's like a cockroach she'll be there I don't think Leanne would give up I think Leanne would put up a really really good fight Mm -hmm. however I think Leanne is too protective of like her face and her beauty because she is a beauty queen after all. Yeah. So is Jen. No, I feel like Jen Shah would not be opposed to getting scrappy and dirty and like getting cut up because she'd be like, fuck it. I'm just going to go get plastic surgery. Yeah. Jen has money. She'll be like, it's okay. You know, Heather will fix it up afterwards. Exactly. So that's why I think Jen Shah would win. But ooh, that was a good question. Please, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, please write, write us in. Tell us what you think. Okay, back to back to Leanne. Yeah. So while I do agree that like Leanne was definitely racist and hateful, I don't think that these women understand what ignorance means because they keep saying that what Brandy did was out of ignorance. You're not you're not like ignorant to the idea that doing this tasteless accent is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You're 42 fucking years old, Brandy. Yeah. You don't act like you don't know that doing impressions of Asian people is bad and calling them squinty eyes still right. even in the right. confessional 
is yeah. bad and making yeah. the squinty eyes is bad. Like you cannot blame ignorance. And by the way, the term is Asiatic eyes. Yes. Okay. That's the term. Don't yeah. say squinty eyes anymore. All right. We don't say stuff like that. It's like the equivalent of saying somebody has nappy hair. It's yeah. a racist terminology and yeah. we should retire it. Yeah. But Brandy can't keep blaming ignorance on that. She's an asshole. She yeah. came from a place of being an asshole. And while she thinks that it wasn't directly hurtful or hateful to anybody, it was deeply offensive to a lot of people who watch her. And like, you can't claim that you didn't know that squinty eyes would be offensive to Asian people when Brandy herself went on an 11 minute video on Instagram when all this stuff came up. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I've made mistakes. And she said, and I quote, what I did a few years ago, I did this video. It was essentially four years ago, and it was a, in reference to a scene in season two of Dallas where the ladies were making fun of my features, in particular my squinty eyes. And once again, that's something I have been insecure about. Okay, so you're actually insecure about the fact that you have Asiatic eyes. Right. So you decided to make fun of people who naturally have Asiatic mm -hmm. eyes. So you yeah. thought, I'm insecure about this. Now I'm going to make fun of something that is so unique to an entire billion group of people. Why do you think you are insecure about it? Because people around you and you think that those features are inferior. Yes. And not a beauty standard. And you are ashamed that you, were, you have those features. Yep. So you know that people around you hate on that right and make fun of that and essentially you were co-opting that yes and so don't say that it was ignorance her saying like i've never done something like that bitch that was not the first time you fucking ever decided to get on camera and make a video like that yeah. you've done that before just because yeah. it was the first time you decided to put it on Instagram doesn't mean that exactly. you've never, ever been talking like this. You've been this person for 42 fucking years of your you life. You just forgot and put it on Insta. That's yes, all. in front of your children. Yeah. So poor Tiffany Moon now has to be the person that deals with this. And it's, mm -hmm. I feel like Bravo's doing quite poorly. Yes. There's one person who's doing really well, and that's Cameron and her garage sale that got her $24,000. I mean, so. can you imagine? Good Lord. But can you imagine having a garage sale and having people come over? Like the entire street, everyone's touching the same merchandise. I bet people came away with a lot, little bit more than the, than the actual <laughs> clothes they bought. Okay, it's one thing for housewives to film in a bubble, but it's another to have a public event. I know. Another place where I felt like they really don't know how to use masks is Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Another sh place that uses shields. But here they use it as visors. They put it on their head. Yeah, they do. It's just a fashion statement here at that right. point. The big thing that happened on this week's Atlanta was that <laughs> old Kenya reared her head. And we're mm. like, there you are. Yeah. That's the Kenya we know and love. Yeah. This is the Kenya on the prowl. Now she's going to get messy. Oh, my God. This is the uh, best. <laughs> she is done with her relationship. There's no more Ken. Now it's back to Kenya. <laughs> Oh my god. So because Kenya gets uninvited to a party. Yes. Did you know that? Did you guys know that? Somebody's gonna have to pay for my hair and makeup. I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, Kenya. Uh, are, you, are you trying to tell us that you pay for it otherwise? What? Yeah, because I don't think that we we know. Yeah. She gets uninvited to Portia's Portia's sister throws Portia a party 
I thought it was weird okay. that it was a surprise, by the way. I was like, okay. I don't know why this Can thing is talk- That We have to talk about that party. I was disturbed by that, too. Let's talk about it. Well, so first of all, it's one thing to throw an appreciation party. Yeah. But the way Lauren went about talking about it, it's like, I'm creating an ambiance. Like, the ambiance was pictures of people that had been killed by the cops. Yeah. She's pointing, literally, to the picture wall and saying, I'm creating the ambiance. There was this wall of all... All the people, black people that had been killed by cops, just a few feet away, a big blow up of Porsche. Mm-hmm. It just felt a little disrespectful at that point. I think the reason why it was a surprise is because I think that if Lauren told Portia, I want to throw a party like this for you, Portia would be like, no, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like she would never be okay with that. I think yeah. it's really sweet. I think what would have been better is if they were just like, hey, we surprised you and we just wanted to have like a nice dinner for you. Mm-hmm. And they did the black, all black everywhere, all that stuff would have been fine. But the picture wall, the glam, and it, it was like you're glamorizing uh, something very painful. I thought it would be it have been more useful if they were like doing this in our front yard and we're having all of the neighbors and everybody come out and like sit out and we're going to talk about some of the work that Portia's working mm-hmm. on and make it like a neighborhood thing. But it was a mm-hmm. backyard party for a couple of people mm-hmm. who are already involved in the movement. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quite sure what the purpose of all the pictures were. Mm-hmm. Why do you have the pictures and the names there when the people that are coming already know that? And maybe it was to kind of talk about it on camera, but it just it just seemed like a weird. I didn't care for all of that to be used as decor. Kenya getting mad at Portia for saying it's a self-serving party is fucked up because Kenya Portia didn't know that the party was happening that's true I'm talking about Lauren yeah Lauren did a stupid thing I don't think that Lauren should have done that but Kenya getting mad at Portia for Lauren uninviting Portia is ridiculous and then for Kenya to then take it out on Portia and say well I think that it's self-serving is ridiculous because Portia wasn't involved in any of it she's just salty but that's the Kenya we love yeah get salty bitch get salty and messy this is what we love i i also heard that oh, Portia was apparently asked by the black lives moment to come and give her celebrity towards that cause but she did apparently candy and a lot of other people have been doing a lot more but they're not publicizing it so they are salty about the fact that Portia's approaching it is to actually use her celebrity whereas they are working on you know behind the scenes i mean it just comes down to whether or not you want credit right like i believe strongly that kenya and all of these people kenya candy all of them are doing stuff for the movement i don't believe for a second that anybody is just sitting around especially if you have money and especially you have a platform i think that if black lives matter reached out to portia and said we want to use it would be great to have or if she said i want to use my platform to only talk about this from here on out that's fine that's her prerogative she wants to do that she wants to use her celebrity platform for black lives matter i don't think there's anything wrong with that like why would kenya be upset about that just because she's not openly talking about it that's fine that but that's on you if you want to be talking about what you're doing then talk about what you're doing yeah 
it doesn't make you a better person that you're doing it and then not talking about it and then get yeah. mad that somebody else is talking about what they're doing. We all have those people at the workplace, by the way. For sure. Yeah, but I'm very much excited next week for Kenya to have a party yeah. for Cynthia and then just get messy. Because that's what Kenya is great at. That's why I love it. Also, mm-hmm. one other note for Atlanta is it cracked me up. Tanya had to fill up her Rolls Royce tank. And I guess I had like never thought about the fact that like Rolls Royces also needed to be taken to the gas station. Wait, it's kind of... (laughs) Like I just can't imagine being rich enough to have a Rolls and like not having somebody around who would fill up my tank for me. Yeah. (laughs) It just, it was so silly to me. Like I just imagine if you have a Rolls Royce, you have a butler and a driver. No, but even if you have a butler and a driver, I feel like people with Rolls Royces and all these really super expensive cars have like a different completely different gas station that they're but their chauffeurs drive uh that car yeah, they, don't gotta like the, they don't come into my local sunoco or exxon mobile <laughs> they don't fill gas there they have private gas stations i've not seen a rolls royce pull next to me ever no did she get premium or did she get regular <laughs> i know premium for sure she definitely but, got premium but also it's possible that she got regular which is hilarious or she might have put diesel in there she might oh my not god. know how to fill gas Who knows? oh my god it's like my husband like whenever we've like gotten a new car he'll always be like make sure you get premium in the tank i'm like bitch we still drive in a honda so yeah. like don't <laughs> I'm not spending that's an extra. A desi, that's a daisy thing to do. <laughs> Buy a Honda or Toyota and then put premium in it. <laughs> Get out of here. That's what my husband does too. That's a daisy thing to buy a Japanese car and put premium gas in it. It's so funny. He'll always be like, what kind of gas did you get? I'm like, premium. I did not. I never get premium. <laughs> I'd rather spend those extra few bucks on a like Starbucks. He would know, like he would know the difference. He would like never how, know the difference. How would he know the difference? He doesn't even know how much groceries cost. Like he just goes and buys them. <laughs> and then he just comes home. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Then we, uh, we also had Drew's marriage counseling in this episode. Ugh, Drew's marriage. Ugh. Yeah. I don't want to watch this couple hash it out and then get back together and then break up. I don't want to see that. It's boring. Okay. It's boring. I don't like it in Atlanta. And guess what, Meredith Marks? I don't like it at Salt Lake City either. No. It's not interesting to me. But so that's why they were they were quick though in Salt Lake City. They went from one episode one time they talked about trouble and the very next episode they were back together and this episode they're back in love. That was a quick arc. The internet is talking about Meredith and Seth as if they have some big beautiful romance and I'm like I feel like these scenes are extremely rehearsed. Mm-hmm. They seem very unnatural. And and the other thing is, I'm not going to be in love with you guys. Like, I just met y'all. And y'all sound yeah. dysfunctional as fuck. And I'm not yeah, impressed. Wop, wop, wop. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, we ain't pals. All around. Wop, wop, wop. Also, I feel like the Mark's home is full of toxic masculinity. I feel like between Brooks and her husband, I feel like Meredith has no voice in anything. Her daughter is there in scenes, but she barely speaks. Didn't even notice that she was there. But Meredith has like four lines. She goes into a room and she does her coy eye thing. Mm-hmm. And then the men say something and she's like, well, I don't know, I guess. And then the scene ends. Right. I'm like, I don't know why everybody's so impressed by Meredith. I don't know. 
know that. I was impressed by Meredith last night because she usually live tweets the show. Mm-hmm. She said, out of respect for our current political climate, I have decided I will not be live tweeting this evening. Please enjoy watching tonight's episode. As we know, it may serve us uh, first time as a bit of a, an escape from the horrifying situation that occurred today. Heart emoji. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Fine, Meredith. We'll keep you on. <laughs> Plus, it's about to get very spicy between the two episodes. So we're covering the episode from last week and this week. Last Mm. week, we met the husbands. Um, It was really nice to see how the women are with their husbands. Meredith and Seth got back together. I didn't even care. Also, Sharif and the guys hanging out together was really cute. Mm. And (laughs) something I saw on Twitter, which I agreed with, which is that John Barlow, Lisa's husband, did something which is called cap fishing which is when somebody puts on a baseball cap backwards and all of a sudden they're better looking (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my god that's true because when i was watching him at the shaw residence and they're playing whatever shuffle ball or whatever the fuck that was curling i don't know what that was where he's got his backwards hat on and he's talking about marriage and lisa needs to give more attention to him and all this stuff i was like is john barlow cute like what turned that cap around and all of a sudden he reminded me of a voltaggio brother (laughs) before before mike voltaggio you know did all the drugs yeah did all the drugs and became like a mess uh he he uh, reminded me of the hot voltaggio brother for a a second there for a second there oh my god (laughs) catfishing all around <laughs> oh my god, that's uh, um, but Heather just keeps showing us every episode just how fantastic she is. She's riding around that snowmobile, having a great time. She loves being single. And the best mm-hmm. thing about her is that, like, when when she is approached about mess mm-hmm. through her cousin Whitney, she's like, mm, I'm not interested. And then she just like zips away. She's like, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I wouldn't get involved. No, but of course that uh, she does get involved. She does. She does. And then she regrets it right away. I love her so much. She's so relatable. She backed off so quickly. Yeah. She was like Homer going and hiding into the bushes, that gif. That's what Heather was at that party. She was like, whoops. So the party is obviously Sharif's birthday party from this episode. It all starts with Jen inviting everybody to Sharif's birthday. And Whitney says to to Jen, so I'm assuming you're not inviting Mary. I think that would be pretty hurtful to her, right? If you didn't invite her. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I was so confused why Whitney didn't say that to Mary. So I figured that those films, those scenes were probably shot out of order. than what they were shown on TV. But important notes about Mary is apparently Mary has a mortgage company. Yes. Oh, my God. I was like, fraud, fraud, fraud. I can tell you how she makes her money. (laughs) This is like very, this is very reminiscent of the Judices and the Girardis. Okay. And she's like, I don't know how many houses I have. Oh, I was like, oh, you mean legally you don't quite know? Mary saying she doesn't know how many houses she has is probably because she doesn't handle any of it. Robert Sr. does. Yeah. 100% Robert Sr. does. Oh, my God. I'm like, Mary is a child bride who has been brainwashed. And Robert Sr. is busy making his money 
And he all he has to do is shut to shut up Mary is to buy her or keep her addiction on clothes and just stuff her surround her with all the clothes that she wants and her cousin made to boss around and Robert is free to go and do whatever he wants. Yeah. She's a hoarder. Yes. <gasps> yes. Absolutely. Okay. So they start off with showing the house and she's going off on her um, cousin. Cousin slash maid. Maid to clean up and how she's not going around the corners and she has to do it and her cousin is like, don't worry, Mary, I'll do it. And she's working on the house and she talks about how, how clean and precise it is. And then she, you walk into her bedroom and it's a disaster zone. It's and insane. I feel like that's completely represents Mary. Like that's on the a great outside, point. Yes, she's all put together and everything, but inside her head, it's her bedroom. Yes, it's all messed up, upside down, crazy town. Exactly, upside down, crazy town is exactly put that on Mary's tombstone because mm -hmm. that's what it is. It was really troubling, but then the big thing I was thinking was like, why would you ever share this with people on TV? Like, why would you ever agree to do this? Because this is really putting your fraud out on Front Street right now, right? It's it, because it, she doesn't know any better. It perplexes me how sad she got about Jen. Made me yeah. feel like I felt like she was emotionally stunted. Yes, and she never had friends growing up. She probably grew up under her grandmother's thumb and then was married off to this grandfather. She hasn't had friends of her age and doesn't quite know how to react. And she is feeling lonely and isolated and completely bonkers. She feels like a middle school kid, completely confused. But Mary is doing a great job of creating mess because she goes and she tells Whitney, by the way, everybody is scared of Jen. Why don't you guys speak up for me? And she's so specific in who she goes and says this to she goes to the girl who is you know spending all her time and money helping her father rehab yeah because she's a fixer right and she's really nice so mary makes a strategic choice because she said the same thing probably to meredith and lisa and they were like no thank you i'm not getting yeah. involved they disengaged <laughs> yeah great great word by the way all right meredith one more point for meredith okay yeah. she'll get that one yeah, she purposely goes to the person who she knows is going to be most likely to say something. This is why I go back and forth with Mary is like, yeah. Mary is not that dumb. She but is no, very calculated in what she's doing. Yeah, I think. But if you grew up in a cult and you were oh, true, true, convert other people and find the people that would be perfect for your cult, that's what you would do. That's what she's trained for. She may not even have thought about whether it's good or bad because this has served her purpose of uh, making a lot of money but if you are in a cult and you don't know anything any better then you're going to be taught to do all of this and she probably grew up learning these manipulative techniques what a fascinating specimen in psychology mary is <laughs> but she is definitely you're right that's some cult shit that's like manipulative cult mm -hmm. shit so whitney decides to bring it up at Sharif's birthday party to Jen that Meredith and Lisa have been talking about Jen and that they say that they're scared of Jen, mm -hmm. which is probably 100% true. <laughs> it is 100% true. <laughs> Absolutely Fact. true. Fact. Even Jen's son was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Did you see him go? He was like, oh, shit. And yeah. Yeah, so Whitney brings it up to Jen, hammered out of her mind, and that poor girl, ooh, she was too drunk. She had too much liquid courage. 
Yeah. And she she brings it up. Jen gets really mad, but then she says, "All right, fine. Let's call Lisa and Meredith over." Lisa and Meredith give me a lot of freaking frack energy. Mm-hmm. Meredith doesn't give me any energy. I don't. <laughs> Meredith gets charged up like slightly when Lisa is around her. Whitney goes and tells Jen that Lisa and Meredith are scared of her because right. that's what Mary told her, and mm-hmm. so Jen is already just triggered by the name Mary. She gets really fucking angry that Whitney is even mentioning Mary at this party. Also, with Jen has had too much to drink uh then she calls lisa and meredith over lisa and meredith lisa straight up denies it she's i'm not scared of you 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 can i touch you can i touch i can touch i can touch i'm not scared like it was nonstop, but it was so much like I've seen that behavior in like high, in like middle school when like the popular girl gets asked a question about something that she lied about and she's like no what no what no but it's yeah. never the popular girl it's like the popular girl's minion yeah so that's what Lisa is and then Meredith she does not confirm nor deny she just says I'm going to disengage yeah. she's like I don't know what you're talking about but I learned an awesome word from a therapist and I'm going to use it. Yes, exactly. And then Whitney is like pissed because now it makes Whitney look like she's a liar. So then she's like, oh, you're going to make me look like a liar? Well, guess what? Then Whitney tells Meredith that Jen has been talking about (laughs) Meredith's marriage. I was like, oh, my God, this is such a good show. It was so good. She's like, okay, now, Jen, you come come and talk to me and you guys go and talk to each other. (laughs) She says, Meredith, tell Lisa what I told you about Jen. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like the messiest, <laughs> most insane thing. I was like, Whitney, she's like, it was like, Jen was so angry, but then Jen has a meltdown because Jen got caught. Yes. <laughs> and, and, but also, like, the minute Whitney started mess, starting the pot even faster, that's when Heather jumped back up and she was like, I don't want to be here. This You just lit the fuse. And I don't want to be around. It's so funny because Whitney's drunk and she's crying now. And Jen's like, she's a fucking asshole. And Whitney's like, oh, well, now I'm an asshole. And I was like, unfortunately, Whitney, you are the you asshole. Are. <laughs> But I did think it was interesting that Coach Shaw, at the end, he he mm-hmm. tells Reefy, well, you know, mom is acting like this because she's been drinking too much. Yes. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. And there- also, Jen saying she's throwing this party for Sharif because if she shows Sharif how much she loves him, then maybe he'll love her back that much. I was like, yikes. Or if he if this doesn't prove it, then I'll just I'll just have to find someone else. So remember how in Beverly Hills first season, yeah, Camille was speculating about Kyle and saying all this other stuff and mm. and it, ha- it it just happened that all of the, it was actually happening in Camille's life. Yep. I'm wondering if Jen has cheated on coach and this is all her guilt coming out. It's possible because Jen kept saying like, you know, when you're not getting it at home, you're going to look for it elsewhere, but yeah. then at the same time she's always talking about how lonely she is cuz she never yeah. gets it at home. Okay, this whole thing was funny as shit. It was a lot of good good old housewife classic yeah Yeah. it was beautiful but do you think (laughs) mary is actually speaking the truth what do you think that meredith and lisa did say that or is mary making it up i do believe that meredith and lisa have said we're not gonna do that with jen because jen is scary like i don't think that it was one something like oh we're so afraid of jen shaw 
I don't think yeah. it was like that. It was probably like Mary being like, well, you guys never say anything to her and blah, 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 or whatever. Blah, blah. And Meredith and Lisa just being like, you know, it's just not worth it because the way that she reacts, it's just like yeah. too scary. And I'm af- I'm afraid of how she's going to react. I wouldn't right. be surprised if that's what it is. I don't think it's like a we're shaking in our boots. I yes. think it's like yes. uh, we're afraid of the way she's going to react. Yeah, Mary yeah. would be the kind of person who would not understand the nuance of that. Or be the type of person who manipulates it to be exactly correct. So, her yeah, I, I yeah. bet that's what happened. I agree with you on that. Next week's episode or something, she says, oh, I would never lie. And I was like, yes, Mary, but you do. <laughs> yeah, one one you do. And I think what Mary does, she's very she's probably really good at like tailoring the word, like picking the words that she uses so that she's technically right. not lying. But yeah. she is still lying. It's like a classic case of Eladia Baldwin saying that she's yeah. from Spain. Exactly. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, I'm never going to, you're never going to catch me in an actual lie, but I will specifically choose words that make you think one thing that right. I want you to think. And that's right. what she's doing. Yeah. I agree with you on that. 100%. Yeah. What a week. What a week. What a week. We started out angry, but I'm glad we ended with um, Salt Lake. Yeah, because it's hilarious. It's I think hilarious. I might watch it again because it was so funny. I was oh, cracking. And also, we didn't touch upon Heather and her husband. Oh, yeah. Together. Heather's husband. Heather's husband pops in, and I thought to myself, good thing Heather is divorced from that mm-hmm. man because that what the hell? movie three example? Heather, you should feel nothing. You shouldn't feel one ounce of sadness leaving that man. He is weird. Yeah, and he is not good looking. Gave me a lot of like meth energy. Right. And can you imagine organizing your girl's baptism and your husband moved out? I mean, he probably already wanted to move out, but yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he seems like a psychopath. Yeah. No, he he's weird. No. And I'm, I'm like glad. so glad it's just it's so crazy to me that somebody as like bubbly and funny and like has such a big personality like Heather would be married to this type of a guy. Right. I hope that everybody was able to enjoy something that made them laugh after the madness from Wednesday night. And that I hope that maybe listening to this podcast was one of those things. Yeah, I hope so. Today is a new day and tomorrow is another day and we are keep, they'll keep moving forward. Exactly. And for every one of those villains, there were some heroes there too. So yes, let's focus on the hero. Yes. Bye. Bye.